With so much software and so many services available in the short-term rental industry these days, it's increasingly difficult to keep up to date with what's on the market and to determine whether it's a maybe or a must-have for you and your business. So meet one provider each week in a short interview, learning what they do and what they offer. So if you have around 20 minutes to spare, it could prove to be a very good investment to stick around. So let's see who and what is out there, one by one, with me, Deborah Larvey, also known as the Guest Inspector. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of Texplained with the Guest Inspector. AI, machine learning, chat GPT, Bing AI chat, Google Bard, and the rest. We are being bombarded with so much new technology. It's like we've changed gear and we're speeding forward to the age of the Jetsons, if you're old enough to know who they are. But wait, some of us aren't quite sure who's driving. So today we're having a special episode to discover who or what is driving this. And as always, in layman's terms, welcome to the world of AI artificial intelligence and adaptive and the best person to explain this is the one and only Evan Dalgo. Hello Evan, how are you? Deborah, how's it going? Super <laughs> Very... excited to talk about AI per usual. Yes, let's peel back the layers, let's pull back the curtain and check out the Wizard of Oz hiding behind let's all of it. this. Yeah, so first question, what is AI? Yeah, that's the million dollar question nowadays that AI is in the buzz. I think mm. a few years ago, AI was cool. Everyone said AI this, AI that. It became uncool. And then about five months ago, ChatGPT made it cool again. Mm. But long story short, artificial intelligence is the ability for the machine to take in data, learn from it, and keep improving. Mm. And when you hear about uh, artificial intelligence, you also hear about machine learning and natural language processing, which is ChatGPT. So look at AI as this umbrella term for a machine that's able to take in data and learning. And then machine learning is specifically the learning engine. And then the natural language processing deals specifically with words, which is mm. ChatGPT. Mm. So we, an example, yeah, yeah I was going to say go. an example of a, a machine learning engine would be like your social media feed. The more you use it, the more you click on things, the more it understands you and can curate your experience. Yeah. So AI, when you say this big machine, this is not the Wizard of Oz big machine. Every company can have this machine for their company. So like you just said with social media. So I'm assuming then Facebook has their own AI machinery that will uh, curate the feed accordingly, et cetera, et cetera. So everyone can have an AI machine, correct? Yes, and then there's actually machines within the machine. So it's sort of like everyone has their own machine within Facebook because that machine needs to learn specifically about you. What are your behaviors? What are your preferences? What's your purchasing power? So the idea is if that you're just taking data from a bunch of other companies, the machine's not gonna be so specific to your guests and your company because you're commingling data across a bunch of different brands. So in order for AI to be very effective, it has to be siloed to your business, understand your core competencies, your core customers, and then it'll be tailored to exactly what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And so AI is the umbrella, machine learning. So that's the, that's the part of the machine that just keeps improving and adding. The Correct. more it learns about you, the better it makes it. Correct. And you were talking about the, what was it? The natural language, NLP, natural language process. Yes. So I actually had a very strange sensation. I was dealing with ChatGPT to figure out some 
uh, code. And I actually thought, if I ask it a question, will it answer me about the code? And it did. Ooh, okay, I wasn't expecting that. So ChatGPT and AI is a little like a chatbot. So you can actually talk to it and it will give you that information that you need. Exactly. And when I say natural language processing, when you think about machine learning, you probably think more about content that can be personalized. Natural mm. language processing does that with words. But machine learning is incorporated in all aspects. So if you use ChatGPT, the more you use it, the more it's going to start sounding like you. It's going to start giving you feedback the way you want it. So if you keep criticizing ChatGPT and say, hey, make this 20% more personable, or hey, increase the authority by X percent and reduce the words, it's going to understand how you speak. And the machine learning engine is going to start to curate ChatGPT's responses to you. Well, this was what I was getting a bit scared of because it wasn't giving me what I wanted and it kept making mistakes and apologizing. <laughs> and I was, time. I was about to have a go at it. And then I thought it could hold it against me. No, 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 no. I'm, oh, no, no, I can't be doing that. <laughs> yeah, the, more, the more data you give it, the yeah. more it learns and the better, the smarter outputs it gives you. Look, I figured it <clears throat> must know what it's doing and maybe I'm the one who's not asking for the right thing, but it was making silly mistakes, so I'm not sure. But I thought I'll just take a break from ChatGPT for a bit. Maybe the code was too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what you're saying is it's AI that, uh, that uh, what do you call it, runs the machine learning. Correct. And the NLP, okay. Correct. And when you think of artificial intelligence, Really what it is, is it's a bunch of mathematical models. So on seasonality, on guest preference, on your property attributes, things like that. The difference between mathematical models and artificial intelligence is that those in, within an artificial intelligence system, the idea is those mathematical models are constantly improving and adapting based off the feedback it gets. Mm. So the more data it ingests, the more it collects from your users and your guests and your bookings, those models will improve in one direction or another because it has to learn about your business. So those models are, are consistently adapting based on the feedback it gets. And that what we call that is an end-to-end -end machine learning platform where it's always awake, always learning, always improving, not complaining. Mm. Now, the thing is, though, doesn't AI have a bit of a bad rap? Aren't people scared of AI? It can't, isn't this the thing that people are going, AI is going to go out of control and, you know, we're a bit nervous about that? Why is that? I think it's very similar to how people were nervous about the internet or how people were nervous about Uber. I think everyone at one point said, how could someone take their own car and drive a stranger? Now Uber is the standard. So I think it's really just the paradigm shift and honestly, the lack of education on the subject. Uh, everyone, when you hear AI, the, they immediately think ChatGPT. Mm. The reality is ChatGPT is, is the newest form of AI, but other forms have been used on us for the last 10 to 15 years. Mm. So I think through education, um, humans will realize that AI is here to help us and those that embrace it will run with it and those that don't will be outperformed. Yeah, yeah. I think ChatGPT Chat made it accessible for everyone. So it's exactly. everyone's first taste of AI. And, but I, I did, you know, there is talk about it's going to get out of control, it's going to take over, it's going to think for us and things like that. So that's not going to happen. Well, eventually it probably will. Oh. <laughs> for the next 10, 15 years, humans are definitely going to be in control. But uh -huh. the reality is humans don't need to do everything. We're not good at data, for example. 
Like if you have a million lines of data, which could be for one, two different customers, if you have a million lines of data in your Excel, why would you spend hours or days or weeks just manipulating that and dealing with that when an AI can, engine can do that in a blink of an eye? Mm. So I think this is part of the paradigm shift where humans have to realize what they're good at and what they can use AI to be better at. Mm. Yeah, it's, 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 it's there for a job and we should learn to use it. Absolutely. Okay. Exactly. But humans in the loop are, are necessary, at, at, at least for the next 10, 15 years, for the most part. Mm. Um, I think the best way is to just embrace it now and let's deal with it in 10, 15 years if it gets out of control. Mm. But like just to just to be scared about it is not going to help your business. Mm. And AI seems to actually be more of a curator. So I can't see why or how it could be bad if it's actually curating the experience, whether it's properties or what have you, or the shopping, retail shopping for you, it's making it a life a lot more convenient for you because it's giving exactly what you want or what it thinks you want. That's exactly it. And that's sort of how uh, Amazon and social media have trained us. And that's, that's sort of about the guest experience on the shopper's level. Mm. I think anyone that goes on the internet and buys a product mm. expects that experience to be seamless they expect to be spoon-fed product recommendations they expect the experience to evolve the more they use it and even if you're not thinking about it it's an expectation because amazon started this over 10 years ago airbnb started this over 10 years ago so then the problem is is they go to they go off these big platforms which are all using machine learning all the otas and then they try to go direct and they're dealing with this just manual clunky experience that every time they return to the site starts over it's not receptive of the information they're giving it. It's not evolving. And that ter- that decreases buyer enthusiasm and, and increases your bounce rate. And they go back to where they came from, which is the OTAs. Mm. So, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, AI has been hiding in front of our eyes for many, many years on the OTAs. And we just didn't realize when it, all these recommended properties. And you're right. When a guest comes to our website, they have to start from scratch and it's not they're not being spoon fed where they are being spoon-fed at the other places. So um, it is something that we should be looking at. Is it something that a smaller property manager can offer, like, you know, someone with 20 to 50 properties, or is it only for the big guys? That's a a fantastic question. That's where I want to bring up a a subject called uh, AI vaporware. Mm. And it's where AI vaporware is just a a saying for AI that's not created equally. Just because you say it's AI doesn't mean it's real AI. It's only branded AI. And this was the problem we had about three years ago with all the AI buzz is everyone just started saying it, that people stopped caring and they just, they just put it on the side burner. But the reality is, is that there's tons of vaporware out there over-promising. And um, I think the best way to look at this is, do you have enough data for AI to be effective? Mm-hmm. The reason AI has only been in the hands of big technology is because they have, they have substantial amounts of data for this to be effective, incredible amounts of data. And now it's coming downstream to the smaller players because we're learning how to democratize it, but you still need a ton of data. So mm-hmm. for example, all these chatbots, all these customer support unified messaging inboxes that are using AI to assist you. The reality is, is it's going to still be very manual. It's going to still be very much in your hands. Maybe it'll help you assist here and there, but small businesses just don't have enough data for AI today. Mm. That being said, you can still cultivate a lot of data now. You can still do certain things now to position yourself to use AI in six to 12 months. But if you have 20, 30 properties, maybe a couple hundred site visitors every month, maybe a handful of direct bookings every month, the reality is you do not have enough data for AI to be effective. 
And you should be extremely skeptical about these vendors coming to you and, and saying, hey, use our AI chatbot to solve all your problems. Is there any way uh, a property manager can uh, question it or test it to see if they're actually you know, providing AI or if they do offer enough data to get something of value out of it? Yeah, due diligence is, is, uh, is key. And it's really tough to do it because what do we know about AI? Well, who are we to be the experts? Mm. The best way that I would suggest using doing due diligence is with LinkedIn. Super simple. Find the company, go look at the team's pedigree. Are they legitimate? Are they not? If you see that they're AI experts, they have awards, they went to universities that are acclaimed, they worked at previous job roles where they applied these AI mathematical modeling skills and machine learning platforms. If they've done these things, then there's a chance that it's real AI. But if the team is hiding and they're not showing their pedigree, how could they be creating the most advanced technology in the world and democratizing it for smaller players? Impossible. Mm. So I think that's the easiest, fastest way to do due diligence. Mm-mm. Now, in terms of things like uh, price predictions for airlines, you know, everyone says, oh, use incognito mode so you know they don't up the price, things like that. If you wanted to stay under the radar from AI, can you use a VPN? Will that still clock you in some way? And, and you have to yes. explain, what does VPN stand for? Because I can't remember. <laughs> sure. Yeah, just so you know, the airlines don't really do it. Uh, I think they experimented with a couple of years ago and everyone thinks they do personalized pricing but they don't really do it. I think they realize a lot of, uh, a lot of people get very frustrated and annoyed. Um, they do have forms of real-time pricing, but it's not as personalized as everyone likes to think. So just understand wow. that. Mythbusters. Okay, great. Thanks, Evan. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I know in the hospitality industry, it's a topic. And, and, and the truth is, if you find out, let's say we're both booking a property and we're coordinating and it's showing you something 10% less, we're going to lose trust. So I, I don't think it's necessarily the right way to look at how to apply AI. Mm. Um, a virtual, a VPN is a virtual private network. Basically it, it, it's like an incognito mode for how you decide to, to do a web search on the internet. And that would help. But the question is, do you really want to have a, a clunky static experience that has nothing to do with you? Mm-hmm. Like imagine if your social media feed was showing you tires, makeup, ice cream, basketball it had nothing to do with you you wouldn't use it so if the, the truth is if you have like an amazon alexa in your house or a google home and these things are listening to you all day why wouldn't you want your website to decrease the friction and spoon feed you what you want to see mm-hmm. so yes you can use a vpn to, to avoid it mm. but you're just going to increase your difficulty in getting to the end zone right so basically there's no fear of ai let it listen let it follow you because it's going to help you and and make life easier in decisions and recommendations. Yeah, people have fears. Um, but yeah. also, for example, in Europe, you have the GDPR, which will protect your privacy, protects all mm-hmm. consumer pr- data. So that's also coming to America. That's spreading throughout the world. So your personal identifiable information is usually being protected. Um, it's just, again, that data is not being shared. It's not being commingled. It's just using to enhance your specific experience to get you where you want to be. Mm. So let's talk about cookies because they're disappearing. So what's the, what's the future of AI looking like then? I think people need to understand what a cookie is because I still think people don't get it. They always just press accept or they ignore the they ignore the flag. So what a cookie is, it's a small piece of data, like a small file that when you go to a website, they can then put a third-party cookie, that file onto your device and they can watch what you're doing across a bunch of different websites, apps, and so on. It's the ultimate invasive uh, tactic to collect data on a consumer. 
Forget cookies. So, should have been called spyware. Yes. Sorry. Exactly. I think they call it cookies because you leave crumbs everywhere. You're, you're constantly eating those cookies and the crumbs are falling everywhere you, you land. Mm -hmm. So cookie, third-party cookies, those the ability to go across websites are disappearing by 2024. In Europe, I believe they're already obsolete, but they're being deprecated in America and so on. Um, and that is interesting because that was the primary way that companies would collect guest data or customer data and then personalize things to them when they land on their website. So going forward, it is going to be substantially harder to collect that guest intent data because big tech is not sharing data anymore. Cookies are deprecating. Regulation is increasing. Um, and there's a variety of other reasons. But uh, bottom line, data is going to be a lot harder to come by. And that's going to make it a lot harder to deploy AI because AI needs a ton of data. Mm. So what's going to happen with AI then? The companies that take data cultivation seriously will have it accessible and they realize that you need to walk before you start jogging and running. But now I think the problem is, is, is we're so used to chat GPT. Oh, you plug something in and you get this instant gratification where it spits it right back out. Mm -hmm. The reality is AI takes time to integrate. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think a lot of these companies, they're starting to crawl and walk. And when you start to do that and you increase the engagement on your website, anything on your direct booking site is your data. So the companies focusing on their direct bookings today and increasing the engagement with who's clicking what properties, what blogs do we have, what search, the search process. If companies that are constantly improving their best e-commerce practices in their direct booking flows, they're going to have so much data coming into their direct booking site, they'll be able to do okay. Mm -hmm. But the companies that are stuck on the platforms and the OTAs that are waiting for direct bookings on a, on a, a later time, they're going to have a lot of problems because the entire internet is changing more than it ever has before since it came out. Mm -mm. And so this is, so AI uh, for the smaller company, they, it is something that they can do. I mean, I think in one of the episodes I heard you, uh, you were talking about even Google analytics. I mean, that's a, that's a starting point, isn't it? Yes. A hundred percent. And I, and I always say that, look, I know that, uh, that VRMs, they chose the hospitality industry at first, but in uh, 2023, they're also in the e-commerce industry if they want to drive direct bookings. But just like you said, using the basic best e-commerce practices, which are available, just go on any OTA and do what they do. Copy. They've already spent billions of dollars figuring out consumer behavior. Just get as close to them as you can. Mm. But doing that will allow you to collect data on Google Analytics. And then from there, you can understand how do you fall like, when someone comes on your, your website, it's like you inviting them into your store. And Google Analytics is your visual of that. Where do they go in the store? What are they looking at? Where are they getting stuck? How do we fix them and push them forward after they get stuck? So your Google Analytics increases transparency to your entire booking funnel. That way you can attribute the revenue every step of the way. And if you become a Google Analytics pro, it's going to make your life significantly easier going forward. Mm, absolutely. Okay. Well, Let's start talking about adaptive then. Sure. So we're going to start a TechSplained episode in one sentence. What does adaptive do? Adaptive personalizes every guest booking journey, just like the OTAs, except the VRM gets to keep the data and the additional revenue. Right. So I want to use adaptive. Do I just get in touch with you and say, give me the code or how does this work now? Yes, and I think that's where everyone expects it to be ChatGPT-esque easy. And <laughs> it, the, the truth is it's not. Uh, deploying AI takes time. These things need to learn. 
and you're taking something extraordinarily complex into something that's never had AI introduced to it before. Hmm. So if you wanted to use AI, usually we start with a data assessment because we need to see, does the company have enough data? And nine out of 10 times, the answer is no. And we'll give them advice what to do. Increase your revenue attribution in your Google Analytics. Do this and that. And then in six months, let's talk again. But during that data assessment, we also run a revenue simulation saying, you know, here's your static website. Here's how much you're doing right now. Now, if you increase personalization and you increase your conversion rate X amount, you increase your average booking value X amount, here's how AI will be effective. And at that point, we would recommend a proof of concept. And what Adaptive does is it takes your existing designs and templates, your existing website, your existing emails, and instead of it just being a static recommendation of properties, like a featured property section, it'll be intelligent to that specific user. So it matches all your styles, but all, like you said, all you have to do is take one line of code and turn that widget into an intelligent widget rather than just a static widget that's just showing the same properties again and again. Yeah, so your code is going to, every time a guest lands on your website, it's going to look back at the, the crumbs that this guest has left and all the footprints online and, and recommend properties for that guest. No. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> if it was pre-2022 and before, absolutely. But yeah. where you just said our cookies and cookies are disappearing. So if we were, if we were trying to leverage third-party cookies, we would, not be prepare, we would not be preparing for 2024 and beyond. Right. So Adaptive does not use third-party cookies. Mm -hmm. We use first-party cookies, which means anyone who comes back to our website will remember them where they were last time and will continue to improve their experience. But we don't track across platforms. And that comes back to the conversation that our machine learning engine needs to understand your core website, your core business, your core competencies. There's no data sharing across other VRMs. Mm. So if the, the short answer is what we do is something called lookalike models. So Deborah, let's say you use incognito mode and you land on my direct booking website. What do I know about you? Very little. I know maybe your IP address so I can get a general idea of location. I know your device type, you're using a brand new iPhone or an Android. And maybe another a dozen other uh, data points that are we call metadata, which mm -hmm. aren't great, but there's something. Mm -hmm. So with that, Deb, we'll say Deborah looks like these last 20 guests that converted. So we'll start guiding her down something similar, knowing it's not perfect, but at least it's better than nothing. Then our goal is to get you to click as much as possible and poke around. Because the more you poke around, the more we can enrich your specific data profile and understand you. Mm -hmm. So again, to start, we guide you down a similar lookalike model with the hopes you engage so we can learn specifically about you. And then the next set of recommendations will get better. And every time you come back over the course of a few weeks, it'll get better and better and better. Mm -hmm. So it's based on the footprints, the journey on the website. Correct. Mm -hmm. And marketing. Marketing is integral also because there's so much noise out there. Mm. And I always, tell, I always tell VRMs, like, you don't like my sales emails? Imagine how your guests feel when you email them all the time. So with emails, if you can have things to click on, that is also tracked and that is good data because you're seeing what do they like to open? What do they like to click? And then it brings them back to your website where you continue that journey and you collect more data on them. Mm -hmm. So email marketing is another great way to cultivate data on, specific, on your existing guests. And does Adaptive give you the data, not the data, uh, some ideas to, of what to send out for each guest? Yeah, so that there's there's plenty of options. We'll fit into whatever exists, but uh, just just simply uh, a really good place to put predictive recommendations. So personalized property recommendations is like an abandoned cart flow. 
Mm. So if someone adds a property and then they leave it, maybe that property was close, but not exactly what they wanted. So if you can send three more properties that are tailored to them, not mm. similar to that property, but properties tailored to that specific person's preferences and purchasing power, maybe you can bring them back into your booking funnel and get them to convert. Mm. So that's another good one. Can't, any campaigns, but the idea is whatever emails you're sending, let's just add a widget at the bottom to make sure that there's always something actionable for them to click on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so your unique selling point, are you the only company within this uh, industry doing AI? Oh, like this? So AI personalization, yes. Yeah. We don't have a single competitor in the space. And it's because it's an extraordinary problem to solve. Mm. It's how do we take, how do we understand every single one of your properties? And mm. how, do we how do we understand every single one of your existing guests and anonymous web visitors? Then how do we connect the dots? And um, fortunately, my team, they founded Google Ads Machine Learning. So they did it on the world's largest scale. And then they left about two years ago because they wanted to democratize this for growing businesses. Mm. So, and also they come from the e-commerce sector and they're just bringing a lot of those, those tactics and strategies over to the VRM sector. Mm, fantastic. So why use my product or why use your product? I suppose there's only, no, not only one word, but for me, the first word is conversion. Bookings. Conversion, exactly. But I think for, we've become used to, we've become used to just uh, driving customers to our website with advertising mm. and hoping they convert everyone sort of forgot about what do they do once they're on the website because throwing money at pay-per-click is super easy. Hey, just throw money at PPC. Let's see what happens. Oh, we got a 10 X return. Great. Now double that. The reality is PPC is getting very, very expensive. Uh, OTAs have billions of dollars and are driving up the key terms and traditionally direct booking markets. So the idea is, is that if you're going to send someone to your website, your website better be ready to convert them. And the best way to convert them is to do what the OTAs do. And it's to personalize everyone's journey, reduce the friction, reduce the cognitive load, get them to where they want more efficiently. Mm. And if, if you do that, you can essentially drive predictable revenue because you're, you know your conversion rate and you know your PPC rate. So you, you don't have half the equation anymore. You now have the complete equation and you can be more confident on spending X amount of dollars on advertising because you know your website is going to convert that much better. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you were saying that um, it's all personalized with the recommended properties, et cetera, et cetera. But, but somewhere along the line, I heard you say something about capturing guest data points at the property and after. And I think it was through, you know, like what they do on the guidebook and things like that. So how does that tie in with you gathering data points if it's, you know, on the website and et cetera? There's so many devices. How do you gather all that data? Right. So I just want to preface that, that with everything we've spoken about so far, it's very much crawling with AI. We haven't even talked about walking or jogging. <laughs> okay. So now what you're talking about is more on the jogging slash running part of AI. And mm -hmm. it's coming. And it's something that I, that I coined called predictive hospitality. The idea is how do we personalize the guest experience the second they land on your website before the stay, everything during the stay, and then beyond. And the way we do that is we constantly ingest guest, guest data. And a good way to do that are like these digital guidebooks. Maybe they're on your phone. Maybe they're an iPad in the house. Anything that's a smart technology is collecting data on that specific guest. Hmm. So first and foremost, you got to make sure that you know where that data is going and that at the very least it's being collected. Even if you're not using it, you're collecting the Wi-Fi cultivation tools and using Wi-Fi cultivation tools. You're using uh, the smart home devices and understanding when do your guests leave and come back. 
You have the guidebooks. What do they like to do on weekends? What food do they like to eat? The more data you can collect on them, eventually we're going to have con digital concierges in all these homes. It's happening. And you're going to be able to recommend, say, hey, I know you like to go on, to art galleries on weekends. Check these three out. By the way, would you want Chinese food again? And you're essentially going to you're going to give them Ritz Carlton service. You're going to blur the line between the hotel and vacation rental manager by having predictive recommendations in the real time experience at the property. Mm. So mm. I think that's the future. We're not quite there yet, but it's coming. Mm. Oh wow, amazing! Um, so you were talking about we were talking about uh, audience size. Uh, sorry, the target audience. So this is what is the sweet sweet spot or the minimum that a company, a minimum number of properties that a company should have to use Adaptive or get some benefit? Yeah, so, so Adaptive is a relatively new company. So right now we are looking for forward-thinking VRMs that have 100 plus properties. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not too happy about that because that's 99% of the market. That's not a customer for us. Mm -hmm. But to start, we need to work with the bigger players because they have enough data. We're confident they have enough data. And two... Once we prove out those concepts there, we can bring the products downstream to the smaller players. Mm. So right now, 100 properties and about 5,000 monthly web visitors is the data threshold for adaptive machine learning to be effective. That being said, give us six to eight months, we should have some products for growing VRMs that may not be the ultimate game changer, but the idea is if you can start increasing two to 5% all over your website, those 2% improvements will compound in value Next thing you know, those you have a dozen 2% improvements and you're converting that much better because all of those are compounding in value and increasing mm. conversion. So you got to start somewhere. And that's exactly. what, I'm, what I'm educating on here. Yeah, that's great. Look, I like the way you're looking backwards too to the smaller property managers because they are a, they are for, a forgotten uh, um, group of managers sometimes, but it's good that you're looking back and thinking how we're going to look after them too. Yeah, good. <laughs> and, and I suppose... Given that it's code, there's no, uh, you've got a global audience, over 100 properties, but global. That can be anywhere as long as I've got the data. Correct. We have customers in Europe, customers in Asia, customers in America. doesn't matter where you are. The mm -hmm. idea is that we can just focus on deploying. We'll report back to you. Um, and we, have, we also have employees in seven different countries. So mm -hmm. there's always someone awake you know, at our company do, doing business. So at all times, you'll have that customer service to make sure that your website's running smoothly, any hurdles are, are unblocked. And uh, yeah, the idea is that we want to make, we understand that this is complex. So we want to meet whatever team that we work with at their level of sophistication. Mm. So if they're highly sophisticated, let's go. If they're, they're entering sophistication, we'll meet them there as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so how does it, how does it work in terms of pricing too? I imagine there's, there's a lot of time to be spent ingesting all the data and what have you. How does the pricing work? Is it a monthly fee, a flat rate? How does it work? Yeah, so we always start with a proof of concept. And that proof of concept, we try to get 90 days of live running time with the products up and running. Uh, and during that time, we want to prove what works, what doesn't. And our strategy is let's throw as much personal, personalization at the wall that we can, and we'll see what works. Mm -hmm. The proof of concept every time, no matter your size, is $5,000 American mm -hmm. flat fee. And again, during that time, we meet every other week, we increase transparency into your booking funnel, we keep personalizing, and we drive revenue. And on all of our proof of concepts, we're our ROI positive currently. So uh, the truth is that a personalized experience will be a static experience 10 out of 10 times. It's, even if it's not the best personalization, it's still something.
Mm. After that proof of concept period, we want to move to an annual agreement. Uh, and it really depends which products work for them. But uh, it starts in the low thousands. Mm -hmm. And if you're running full speed with machine learning and we're driving millions of revenue, it will go up. Um, mm -hmm. But to start in the low thousands for certain tools. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. So look, we've come to the end of the, the usual questions for Texplain, but I want to touch on one more thing before we uh, start winding up. In in another interview that I uh, I heard you, you're being interviewed, um, you were talking about Amazon being the big mama e-commerce shop, and uh, there were no competitors at the time when they first got going. And then all of a sudden, Shopify started to arm the little shops with the same sort of um, AI. And it made me think, you know, we we with before with the previous text plan, we were talk, we were always talking about property management companies, but it made me think about the listing sites, the listing sites that are popping up now that want to go back to the old school where here's a booking and here's all the guest guest contact details. You take it now. Whether it's the last minute uh, websites, whether it's the it's the uh, by owner websites, there are a lot of listing sites. And I think they should be your big target. These are big listing sites that should be working as OTAs. And that's that the listing sites to me are the, is the Shopify from that analogy. Yeah, so the, you're right. There is like this awkward middle ground between OTAs, direct bookings, and you have like these direct booking OTAs. And again, the reality is we've spoken to a few of them and they just don't have enough data yet. No. They're, not the, they're not the major OTAs. And on top of that, they're also not listing their properties. They're listing someone else's properties. So they don't actually have all of that data on their own. They're just that an additional layer in between you and the direct booking site. Mm. So they need, a, they need a lot more web traffic, a lot of them, and, and they need to improve their data cultivation because it's a newer concept and, and they don't have enough data just yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shopify yeah eventually, we'd love to power anything direct bookings because that's the only way to compete. Yeah. If, if everyone expects the personalized experience, then you have to sort of fit in line, not reinvent the wheel, but do do whatever, do what all the big players are doing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We'll get there, we'll get there. And you help exactly. the little players too. Good. <laughs> well, we're going to wrap up now. Was there anything else that we should touch on that we haven't? Anything that um, people should know? Yeah, I, mean, I, I just want to, <laughs> absolutely. I really just want to, to hammer home that, uh, collecting data, I know it's not the sexiest thing, but it's super important to long-term autonomy. Mm -hmm. And I think all over the world, certain destinations have taken for granted their organic direct bookings that they're getting. Markets in, in, on the coast of Florida, in Tennessee, in, in the mountains, they get substantial amount of organic traffic. And that's because the OTAs have never prioritized breaking into those markets. But now that the internet is drastically changing and that collecting data is gonna become 10 times harder at the very least, these OTAs have billions of dollars in ad spend that they're waiting to penetrate all these local markets. Mm. So whatever you can do to start cultivating data and secure your, your direct booking engine for the long run, that's how you protect your long-term autonomy. But if you just side, if you sidetrack your, your direct booking and uh, strategies, uh, you're gonna you're gonna pay the price because at the end of the day, all the OTAs are running full speed uh, to the point where Booking.com is doing a million A/B tests a month. Your your website on Booking looks entirely different than mine. They're moving everything around and they're using AI to do that. Mm -hmm. So at the very least, we have to dabble with AI if we want to compete because we'll never be able to run without starting to crawl and walk. Mm -hmm. So long story short, collect as much data you can. If you don't know what you're collecting, 
then come talk to me and I'll tell you what to collect. <laughs> <laughs> and I will put the contact details in the description below. Evan, it's been great. Thank you very much for the explanation and great hearing about Adaptive. I know it's evolved from Jarvis ML. That was a year ago, probably, I interviewed you yes. about it. And that was uh, mind-boggling back then. <laughs> Absolutely. Big things to come. Yeah. Thank, th thank you very, very much for your time. That's been really, really great. Thank you, Deborah. This was awesome, as always. Thanks, Evan. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to catch up on ones you've missed, just head to thetechexplainedseries.com. Or if you're short for time, you can head to thetechminis.com where you'll find extra short interviews. See you next time.